The impact of the clear-cut crisis on the Bitterroot National Forest would be immediate and long-lasting for Montana's timber industry. Timber production in Montana peaked in 1978 with a workforce of 13,494. During peak production, the nine largest sawmills in Montana produced 98% of the state's lumber. During the four decades since the end of World War II, Montana's largest mills were purchased by prominent out-of-state corporations like Champion International, Stimson Lumber, Weyerhaeuser, Louisiana Pacific, and Smurfett Stone, creating a series of challenges beyond their control. These included distance from markets, climate, wage competition, depletion of private forest lands, slumping housing markets, burgeoning environmental movement, and forest disease and fire. A more immediate challenge was the shrinking supply of logs from Montana's most productive national forests, a direct result of the Boley Report and the congressional response. While the closure of the large corporate mills during the last two decades has significantly affected timber towns like Bonner, Libby, and Frenchtown, the remaining 15 mills scattered uh, around western Montana represent a more sustainable level of production. In 2015, Montana mills produced 535 million board feet of lumber, half of its production in 2005. At the same time, the large Pacific Coast mills have turned their focus to export sales, leaving the Montana producers in a better position to capture domestic markets. Log supply remains an issue for most of the survivors. The harvest on both private and public timberlands has dropped significantly in the past three decades. The cut on private lands slipped from 750 million board feet in 1995 to 200 million board feet in 2015, and on the Montana National Forests, it went from 600 million board feet in 1987 to 100 million board feet in 2015. The smaller family-owned mills have survived and in some cases prospered, due in part to a more sustainable level of production, innovation, and niche markets. A good example of this is F.H. Stoltz Lumber in Columbia Falls, Montana. F.H. Stoltz, a native of northern Minnesota, came to the Flathead Valley in 1898 from a project he completed for James J. Hill to build 10 towns along the Great Northern Railroad route through North Dakota. In 1906, Stoltz built a sawmill in Kyla, Montana and bought state lumber on the current mill site in Columbia Falls in 1912. During the last century, the company, which is still owned by the Stoltz family, accumulated 38,000 acres of timberland, managed in a sustainable fashion according to retired Stoltz forester Ron Butenmeyer. In discussing forest management on Stoltz lands, Butenmeyer repeated the philosophy promoted by John R. Stoltz, son of F.H., manage the forest like you own it, and cut the worst and leave the best. Butenmeyer, who graduated from the University of Montana Forestry School and started his career with Stoltz in 1964, followed the company game plan of selective harvest and the motto of take out the dead and dying and leave the best. That philosophy and the slower growing climate in Montana produces a, a lumber three times stronger than that grown in Washington and Oregon. At the same time, Butenmeyer repeated a now familiar refrain about the future for the lumber industry in Montana. Concern about the availability of logs and the damage being done to forests by fire and insects. A much older generation, F.H. Stoltz Land and Lumber, 
in Columbia Falls also reports a decrease in employment due to new technology. Stoltz resource manager Paul McKenzie acknowledged that today one shift of mill owners, mill workers, produces the same amount produced by two shifts in the 1970s. An optical scanner and sorter ultimately replaced the green chain of 20 feet pulling mill lumber and sorting into bins. The scanner is one of 100 computers scattered throughout the century-old Columbia Falls Mill. An aspect of the dilemma of a shrinking workforce both in the forest and the mill is the introduction of new labor-saving technologies. As of 1987, loggers in the woods doubled their production by employing new timber harvesting technology. Sherm Anderson of Deer Lodge began his working life as a Jippo logger in 1976 when he founded Sun Mountain Lumber. Faced with competition from cheap Canadian lumber, skyrocketing workmen's compensation, and competition from Idaho loggers for Montana timber, Anderson abandoned his chainsaw and turned towards the purchase of a feller buncher, doubling his productivity in the woods in 1987. While his traditional logging crew could process 500 trees a day, a new technology doubled that amount with fewer workers. One person could now do the work of 10. This efficiency translated into profits that allowed Anderson and his family to purchase a small Louisiana Pacific Mill and Deer Lodge in 2004, which he named Sun Mountain Lumber. Up until 2005, Anderson worked for Louisiana Pacific Mill in Deer Lodge, which began in 1965. Plant manager Tony Coulter worked as a forester for Louisiana Pacific in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, prior to coming to Sun Mountain, and has worked with Anderson to upgrade the mill computer software every three to five years at great expense, ultimately allowing for ever-increasing utilization of the log. In the 13 years since the departure of Louisiana Pacific, Anderson and his crew have transformed the Louisiana Pacific stud mill into one of Montana's most productive and successful finger-jointing mills, Sun Mountain Lumber employing 125 people for a single shift. The finger jointing operation, one of the largest in North America, produces 2x4s and 2x6s, 8 to 9 feet long, from 3 foot pieces of wood destined for the chipper. Wages start at $14 an hour and go up to $28 an hour for electricians. Women hold 25% of the jobs at Sun Mountain. The family business includes Sun Up Ventures, a construction company, and SunUp Fitness, which serves 300 members of the community, offering discounted memberships to employees and their families. Anderson's two sons and his son-in-law help manage the businesses, and his youngest son serves on the Deer Lodge City Council. Sun Mountain is the largest employer in the area, including Butte, Anaconda, and Phillipsburg, and maintains a commitment to the economy and the residents of the Deer Lodge Valley. During the national mortgage crisis and subsequent economic downturn of 2008, Sun Mountain Lumber remained faithful to their employees even as the demand for lumber crashed. During the Louisiana Pacific tenure in Deer Lodge, the company operated three shifts, employing over 300 people. But in 2015, the Anderson family cut operations to a single shift, due in part to a shortage of logs and a reluctant workforce. Private lands provide 80% of the company's timber, while less than 10% comes off the Deer Lodge National Forest. This complaint is not unique to Sun Mountain Lumber. Every mill owner in Montana complains about the timber allotment on the public lands during the last 20 years. 
During the 1960s and 70s, the Forest Service provided more than 60% of the logs needed to operate Montana sawmills. However, finding willing and able workers is an equally vexing problem. Both Anderson and the plant manager, Tony Coulter, complain that they are unable to find young people willing to do mill work. In 2017, they wanted to add a second shift, but could not find willing applicants. Drug and alcohol problems also plagued younger applicants. 10% could not pass the drug test. As a result, they have partnered with the Butte Pre-Lease Center, who send 18 residents to work at Sun Mountain on a daily basis. New technology is the key to Sun Mountain's success and that of other surviving mills in Montana. Computerized scanners allow the mill to utilize more of the log and to minimize waste, which is key to the bottom line. The owners and founders of RBM Lumber in Columbia Falls began their 40-year odyssey to, in the timber industry as high school students. In 1973, brothers Roy and Ben Thompson traded 10 cords of firewood for a chainsaw, launching their business. The next year, they bought a post sale, which their parents signed for. In 1976, their father, Malcolm, quit his job at a local sawmill to join his two sons in a business they called RBM Logging hauling logs to local mills, and in 1979, they scraped together $10,000 to buy a portable sawmill which fit in the back of a pickup. Two years later, the family obtained a $70,000 loan from a local bank to purchase the land on which to build a sawmill. The family fabricated all the parts of the mill using scrap iron and used parts from mills in Oregon and Montana that shut down during the 1980s. Unlike the Plum Cricks and Wirehousers, the Thompson family harvests uh, primarily wind-blown, insect-infested, fire-killed trees with an eye to leaving the old growth reach maturity before harvesting. The company embraces the protection and maintenance of the old growth forests. RBM Lumber manufactures doors, tabletops, flooring, moldings, paneling, and rough lumber, all sold on the premises. Their logging and milling business supports 60 families in Columbia Falls. Their many years of hard work for lower compensation have finally paid off. Roy Thompson describes the company's philosophy as follows. Our primary objective over time is to provide a good workplace and to make our customers happy. Our goal has never been about production, but rather getting the highest value out of every log coming into the mill. We are interested in marketing Mother Nature's natural character. An even older version of the family-owned sawmill can be found uh, 100 miles south of Columbia Falls in Seeley Lake, Montana. In 1949, Fred Johnson, a Norwegian immigrant from northern Minnesota, purchased the Bachmeyer Mill, employing 35 to 40 men to cut rough lumber in Seeley. The key to Pyramid Lumber's success over the past 70 years has been flexibility, diversification, and innovation. Over the years, Pyramid has marketed 3,000 different products, and unlike the hundreds of different stud mills that have disappeared over time in Montana, Pyramid focuses two-thirds of their production on boards. The Johnson family recognizes the importance of the mill to the community economy, adding new technologies at great expense in order to compete and maintain markets. Maintaining technological systems is expensive, but a necessity of doing business, according to Pyramid owner and manager Roger Johnson. He said, the shutdown in 2001 was prompted by the need to purchase new computers, which the company could not afford. Fortunately, a state block grant and a loan from Missoula County Economic Development Group 
permitted computer purchases, allowing Pyramid to continue to operate. Timber supply remains an issue, but Pyramid's membership in the Blackfoot Challenge since 2008, a collaboration of ranchers, loggers, hunters, and environmentalists, has garnered the mill timber sales within the National Forest. The group focuses on areas of agreement and to find a middle ground through negotiation. The model of the family-owned and operated mill stands in sharp contrast to the corporate giants like Champion International, Stimson, and Weyerhaeuser. In Clancy, Montana, the Marks family started a small local sawmill in 1989 in response to the hard times in the cattle business. The Marks family traces its origins in Montana to Steve Marks' great-grandfather, Ernest, who immigrated to Montana from Maine to Homestead near Whitehall in 1885. After purchasing a mine near Boulder, Marks turned $10,000 in profits into the purchase of the Tanner Homestead near Clancy in 1890. In 1940, Marx's grandfather, Merle, did some milling for locals, and in the 1950s and 60s, Bob Marx, his father, operated a stick mill to produce lagging for local mining operations. In 1973, Marx's older brother, Gary, started a post and pole mill on the family property, which comprises 7,500 deeded acres, some of which is forested. The actual birth of today's mill came in 1989 when the Marx family started milling cross-ties for the railroads, and guardrail posts for the Montana Highway Department. During the 1990s, the family installed a planer and started making siding and flooring. Finally, in August of 2000, Marks decided to build a new mill, acquiring the used equipment from mills in Washington. Washington had acquired a mill designed from a Columbia Falls company. Construction of the new mill took two years, and over time, they added a debarker, chipper, and a fully computerized system for producing a wide variety of products, including tongue and groove flooring, siding, decking, tabletops, mantles, timber trusses, landscape mulch, and engineered wood fiber for playgrounds. New technology has been a key factor in the success of Mark's slumber, allowing for the production of specialty products and the efficiency and use of logs. The computerized carriage allows for more precise milling, less waste, and better recovery, and can actually be repaired remotely from Coeur d'Alene. Marks cross-trains all employees to operate computers, allowing managers to rotate employees around the mill, and new technologies have meant only the loss of one job. Management considers each and every one of the 20 post and pole workers and the 22 mill workers key to the company's success. Mark's Lumber continues to innovate. 2016, Mark's received a $220,000 innovations grant from the Forest Service to study the feasibility of converting sawdust and wood scraps into biomass energy. Prior to the closure of Smurfit Stone in Frenchtown in 2010, small mills around Montana had a market for their wood waste. The Forest Service grant could help Mark's more fully utilize 100% of the log. Marks is also investigating a steam-drying kiln in an effort to elevate the quality of the finished lumber. Philosophy towards the community shared by F.H. Stoltz, Pyramid Lumber, RBM Lumber, and Marks Lumber stands in sharp contrast to the large corporate mills that operated in Frenchtown and Bonner. When Smurfit Stone shut down their liner board plant in 2010, laying off 400 employees, the community of Frenchtown was devastated, and the environmental mess left at the plant site along the Clark Fork River remains unresolved. The plant that began operating in 1957, as Horner Waldorf, 
established 900 acres of unlined settling and sludge ponds while discharging wastewater into the Clark Fork River, which accounts for a residue of PCBs, dioxins, furans, and heavy metals like manganese and arsenic on the 3,200-acre site. For seven years, the community has been waiting for the Environmental Protection Agency to determine its Superfund status and the culpability of the out-of-state corporate owner, the Green Investment Group, who also purchased three abandoned paper mills in Canada, where they also owe back taxes while promising to create hundreds of green jobs. In the meantime, the Frenchtown schools are struggling with a diminished tax base caused by the exodus of the former mill workers and 1.2 million in back taxes from the site owners, M2 Green. They finally settled with the county in November of 2017 for 89% of the total. At the same time, the old 170-acre Stimson Mill site in Bonner has been effectively repurposed by locals Mike Bohm and Steve Nelson. After shuttering the mill, Stimson performed the required remediation, and since the purchase by Bohm and Nelson in 2011, 17 different companies now occupy the site, employing over 450 workers. During the last 40 years of Montana sawmills have quit sawing logs. Those that have persisted have much in common. They are all much more efficient and less wasteful than their, their predecessors. Computer technology and labor-saving technologies in the woods has led to a more complete utilization of the log and less waste. These smaller companies have identified niche markets and they continue to exploit these. Their survivors tend to be family-owned, the owners live and work in the town, and these local owners are committed to both their employees and the local community. These attributes stand in sharp contrast to the corporate enterprises that have abandoned Montana, where the bottom line is the only criteria for success. Thank you.